What's up, Warriors? Guy Beverage with Protectors Toolkit, Christian Safety and Security Made Simple. I'm so glad you're joining us here tonight for this awesome Warrior Wednesday we're having. I'm going to have my friend Bobby Brasher talk to you a little bit about behavior analysis. And before that, I want to make sure that we understand what we're really all about here in Protectors Toolkit. It says this in Proverbs 18:15: intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. In the easy to read version, sometimes I have to go to that, the easy to read version of the Bible says it this way, wise people want to learn more, so they listen closely to gain knowledge. And really that's what we're all about here at Protectors Toolkit, giving as much knowledge to the community of church protectors out there so you can be successful in your mission every Sunday, every time that you're attending church as a church protector, we want you to have as much knowledge as possible to do that job. It is sometimes a thankless job, and it is sometimes a job that people don't even think needs to be done. But I'm so glad that you warriors, just like Nehemiah on the wall, are standing there working uh, with, uh, with one hand and have a sword in the other protecting the flock. That's what we're sold to do, and it's, it is biblically sound and correct to do that. So warriors, thanks for being here tonight. I'm going to get into this really quickly. I think it's important that we talk about this, and my friend Bobby Brasher uh, has, has developed uh, multiple programs. I'm going to introduce him here for, uh, in a second and tell you all about him, but he's really got a handle on this. Uh, on this behavioral analysis. And I think you'll understand by the end of this broadcast why that is so, so vitally important for church protectors just like you to understand what it is and then hopefully seek some training in it for your team. So Bobby uh, and I have known each other for a number of years and he's a little bit further away from me than I would like, uh, but he's not in Central Texas where we only have rock. He's up there where they actually have some pine trees. So I'm really thankful for that every time I go up to visit him. Bobby is the director of school security for the Brook Hill, Brook Hill School a private Christian college, preparatory school, and an international boarding school. Uh, Bobby uh, really has done a great job there. He is a model organization. He models for school safety all over the United States because his program is so tight. And if you ever get a chance to go up and visit Bobby, there's a really, really nice museum they have there at the school, and you would love to walk through that thing. He was, he was gracious enough to host me and my family. We had an awesome time at that. Bobby spent many years as a police officer and a sheriff's deputy as well. He regularly consults on safety and security uh, for schools and churches, including independent and private schools in Latin America and Africa. If there's anybody that has a lot more information than I do, uh, I always seek them out. And Bobby is one of those persons that just has a lot more information than I do. And he is a sharpening like no other. He's also the owner of Christian Defense Safety Solutions. And we'll talk about that here at the end of this broadcast. So Bobby, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, just tell us a, a little snapshot about you if you've got anything to add to that. Oh, uh, Guy, that's, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Uh, I, I'm always encouraged when I'm able to, uh, to, to, to meet with the brothers in Christ that uh, are, are, on the, are on the wall. Or uh, As, as uh, I was in Israel this time last year and got to go to the Valley of Eli where, where uh, David slayed Goliath with his round stones, and I think he was the first protector. And uh, so I, I'm always honored to be able to share some ideas and some thoughts. And uh, I, I'm just one cog in this small, um, small wheel. Yeah, and we were talking about that tonight. You know, Bobby, Bobby and I do a lot of the similar things in, in different areas, but we are all about kingdom collaboration. We like to collaborate with just about everybody because this thing uh, could could not go on without the, the knowledge that everybody has out there being brought together for the church protector. So you can have the knowledge that, uh, that we have that Bobby has, that other people have in the community that are doing this and have been doing it for a number of years. So we're all about collaboration. So Bobby, let's jump into this real quick. Just what is behavioral analysis? Well, uh, behavioral analysis is 
Uh, I first picked on it because my degree is in sociology and criminology. So years ago, I kind of got down this path. And, and when the uh, Secret Service started profiling after several school shootings, and then the FBI um, created the um, Behavioral Analysis Unit, where that's all they do, uh, it really kind of got into an area that I was really uh, interested in. So behavioral analysis, the scientific term, it's just a scientific study of principles of learning and behavior and uh, describing uh, and understanding and predicting uh, ever-changing behaviors as people interact. Now, that's a scientific uh, uh, definition of it. When I teach it, and as well, I'm sure when you teach it, we boil it way down to, you know, what is the situation? What is the norm for that situation? How does it look? What is my baseline uh, psychologically for the people I'm encountering? And what is their reaction to me as we have interaction? Um, you know, and it, and it just fits together as um, uh, one of the pieces and one of the tools that we have in our toolbox. Uh, I, I know that you feel that I do if we get to the point as both of us are firearm instructors as well, that we have to use a sidearm. We have missed a lot of red flags and um, uh, we maybe should have rethought uh, some of the things that we were, we were looking at because there were some signs out there that we didn't, we didn't get. Yeah, you and I have had some conversations about that. That's absolutely right. I think if, if uh, and you have done this and I've done this, the, the school shootings that I dissect and the church shootings that I dissect, when you, when you really get into the police report and the witness statements, you can really see there's a lot of patterns being developed. There's a lot of information being given about that person prior to that event that if someone was paying attention with a little bit of training and a, and a little bit of head on a swivel, they could have prevented that uh, action from happening. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And, and, and you take the, um, your post or wherever, if you're a parking lot ministry, I think that's one of the most critical stations that you have at your church. A lot of churches don't have the staffing to do that, but then you, you, you come inside to the next layer, which is the door greeters or the uh, ushers, and you start, you know, every church um, pretty much knows their people and what is a normal um, activity what is the normal action of a of a church member at your church that pulls up uh it, it can be green acres in tyler that's got fifteen thousand members or it can be you know first baptist in rust that has 300 but those people that pull up in your parking lot have a baseline of uh, actions that they do most people when they get up get out of the car they're either getting their bible getting their gathering their things together sometimes you'll have casserole donuts or whatever and they come in if you find somebody that does not do that why are they not doing that maybe it's somebody that um uh that is is going through something and you know a church can uh when you're when you're working in churches it can be a little bit um deceiving because the pre-attack indicators that people give off, such as shuffling their feet, hands in their pockets, looking down, won't make eye contact. Uh, many of these um, uh, things, uh, you, you would think, okay, something's wrong with that person. Now, dress is, a, is, the, is the X factor there. You know, if it's 85 degrees and they've got long sleeve on and a hoodie and all, that should be a red flag right there. Um, Normally, someone who does not get out and who does not come, who does not have a family with them, you would think, okay, we might need to make contact with that person, welcome them, 
to our church, uh, see if we can help them find someone. Uh, what Sunday school class are they looking for? Are they looking for a particular uh, individual that they might be meeting? Uh, so they could, they could be a potential uh, person of interest. But also in this, this environment that we're living in today, um, you take somebody that may be going through a personal crisis, a divorce, um, a loss of a child, um, they could be, have lost their job. And there's a lot of psychological factors and this person pulls up in that church and he gets out and he's, you know, wringing his hands. He is exhibiting all of these pre-attack indicators, anxiety. It might be that, you know, I'm, I'm afraid that these Christians are going to judge me. I've never been in a church. I don't know anything about this whole Jesus deal, but I need help. I'm hurting. I just need somebody to talk to. So, you know, for church protectors, we have to have a little bit finer line to walk to make sure that we can, can distinguish between the person who might be there to do harm and the person who is there as a ministry opportunity that we need to give them the, the right hand of Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's so uh, importantly critical in that process. Uh, I taught a class not too long ago about that and, and training your ushers and greeters. You know, you need to train them to be professional observers. They, they are sometimes your first line defense to, to see something and then we uh, give them the ability to say something and also the ability to do something, which is even more important, I think. And, and you're right, to, to notice those things that are out of place. I would say, and I, I've said it in training, uh, those people that are coming to your church that are there for church, they should have some sort of countenance about them that looks like joy or happiness or church folk do. And those people who aren't will stand out. It's almost like a light shines right on them because they are giving you everything you need to know that they're not there for good intention. Right. Absolutely. And, and like you say, if you're intentional about watching their demeanor, watching how they act, paying attention, you can pick up on that. And that's a red flag. Then you factor in, like we said, their dress, their countenance, red flag. Um, you know, uh, in, in, in a great case study, and like we said before, the, the shooting in Fort Worth, uh, where the, uh, the, the guy went into the church, he had been lottering around for 30 minutes. Uh, he was wearing a, a, a beard and a, and a, and a fake hairpiece. Uh, it was 80 degrees, and he had a long sleeve hoodie on. And he had been to the church asking for money and been around the church. So, um, you know, I think that not to be a Monday morning quarterback, because I was not there, but I do know that there were several red flags that you could pick the phone up and call 911 and said, but there's this guy that he's wandering around here and he's not coming in and he looks a little suspicious and, um, and, and had law enforcement there uh, in a hurry. Or if you were not sure, go visit him, make, make contact with him, give him the right hand to Jesus and, and profile him a little bit before he got in the, the worship center. Yeah, that's right. You know, we, uh, you mentioned the parking lot. That's, that's where it all starts. If we don't have good eyes and ears out in the parking lot, we could fail at something like this. You know, we want to make sure we're ministering to people in the right way. But if you're not for us, man, you don't get access to our people. We're locking down the doors quickly. Absolutely. And it can be, it can be challenging because the number one uh, deadly force incidents is normally domestic related. Yep. So you're dropping off a, a child and a, a maybe a, 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 a father doesn't have custody rights or there's something in the divorce decree and, you know, he says, mm, I can't go to school and see my son or, or see my family member because schools are pretty much getting locked down now. 
But if it's a small church or if it's a church that there's not a presence there uh, on the perimeter at the doors, so you don't have to pass through those layers of security uh, without being challenged, um, that might be a place. And churches are not um, are not free from from these type of um, of incidents where you have domestic violence. Many times those people are there for counseling together at one time or another. So I don't have to tell you, you know, you know, and you've seen that as well. But uh, many times our, our churches that we are, that we're training, we really put emphasis on, on your childcare, your nursery, and the people who are working there and make sure you have a good presence, somebody there with a the radio who is uh, greeting people, who's, who is uh, looking at that behavioral analysis to find out, you know, who, who is, looks like they need to be here and who might not need to be here who's trying to come in this house that um maybe has some of those um uh red flags that they don't need to be here yep absolutely so how uh, bobby how um, i think i know the answer to this question but i want to ask you the expert uh how important is behavioral analysis for a church protector how, how important is it to get some training in this uh well i'll tell you what we push it hard and heavy we think it's so important because uh, number one, like we've already established, if, if we have to go to a firearm, we've really created problems. Number two, we have law enforcement officers that we need to recognize and let them do their job because, um, you know, we're not the police. We don't train police. We train protectors. And many times that protection is done by a telephone call, a radio call, or a, a handshake and a smile where while we're, we're waiting for some help to get here. Being able to recognize uh, these, these um, telltale signs uh, of a person in crisis, uh, I think is, is so, um, so critical because, you know, even if they do have a firearm, you know, the pr pr proficiency skills and the, uh, the situation that you're in, there's no good place to fire, fire around basically in a church um, and so we don't want to put our people in that position where they're relying on a firearm and a skill that they're not a professional with it. Plus the fact that they have so much civil liability because they don't have qualified immunity like a police officer does. And so we, 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 we try to point that out. If you have an LTC and you have an accidental discharge or if you shoot the wrong person or something bad happens, uh, you're going to be sued for millions. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and you're you're outside your area of expertise, but the behavioral analysis, the situational awareness, those are psychological factors that we can read, we can see, we can quantify, and we can put those to use while the law enforcement people are on their way. Yeah, very good. Uh, so we, you already mentioned the white settlement. Do you have any other examples where you know or you've used yourself and you've you've used behavioral analysis to thwart something or prevent something? Well, um, we had an incident at my school, which you've been there, but um, I teach this training to all of our, our, our teachers, our staff, uh, our maintenance people, our operating crew, our food service people, because if I'm a bad guy and I wanna do something to a school and do harm, either to a church or to a, to a school, I'm going to try to hit the food service, the donuts, the Wednesday night food, or the water supply. So we train all of our people. And uh, right before we went into Corona, we had a, um, one of our lawnmower guys uh, call, stop, call me, 
said uh, that there's this uh, car that just pulled on campus that didn't look right. And um, so I immediately called our, our, our office where we have monitoring station, our license plate readers, we got the, the picture. They, he stood on the phone uh, beside his lawnmower and told me right where he was. So um, we went down there, we made contact, called law enforcement, our SRO showed up and his backup and the guy had felony warrants. He was uh, a, a, a Mexican foreign national had been deported once already and he was there watching our girls PE class why, is why he came. And so if it hadn't been for this training and it hadn't been for the intentional observation of this person, he was the first layer of defense. He's out on the perimeter mowing. So, you know, even uh, for churches who have full-time maintenance staff and who are big enough that they have people who mow their, mow their, um, uh, their yard, do maintenance, air conditioning, and who are on property during the daytime, if you have staff at, at uh, your church, I think this is great training just to let people know what's going on, be intentional about watching what is out of the ordinary so they can call uh, law enforcement and get them rolling that way. Because, you know, you guys are very happy to show up and to make a contact and do a field interview or whatever if there's some concern. If, if they're lost or they're there to meet somebody or see a family member, no harm, no foul. Yep. But uh, we definitely don't want to, to, to have a crisis or a loss of life because we, we were just not intentional about it, you know, because uh, as you've seen and you've worked many of them, anytime you have a, a situation like this, the first thing that they say when they put a microphone in front of them is, we never thought it would happen here. Yeah. So as protectors, we have to understand today might be the, be the day every Sunday. And that's how, how we train. We train to be fighters and to be aware of, uh, of their surroundings and today might be the day and you may have to do nothing more than just make a phone call or make a push a button on your radio and call your off-duty sheriff or your off-duty um police officer who's working there yep yeah perfect yeah that, that worked out perfectly for you all and um i i don't think you know people think campus i don't think they have the view uh that i saw at your campus it's large it's it's uh, it's just huge, and the, and the type of students, not only the type of students, but the amount of students that come through your campus, you know, to, to think that the lawn maintenance is the one who prevented this thing, uh, whatever was going to happen, uh, and, and caught up to this bad guy, that's just a, a testimony uh, in and of itself, uh, because you don't typically see those people paying attention, but now he knows because he got the training, he was told, hey, if you see something, say something, and then, like I say, more importantly, do something, and he did and we had a good resolution there. So that, that's just perfect. You know, and, and the other good thing about this training is, is people can leave the training, and this works for them if you're at Walmart, or if you're at HEB, or if you're at the feed store, uh, constantly looking, because you look where those attacks all come from. You know, most places at soft targets where there's large gatherings, although right now we don't have any because of Corona. But these are skills that, um, that my wife employs, my daughter who is in college employs. Uh, and it's just being very intentional. And probably the biggest hurdle that you know and I know is uh, are these cell phones because people are constantly on these cell phones. They're constantly looking at text messages and not paying attention to their surroundings. And um, that is something that I, we could make great strides in our safety uh, posture if we could just use those cell phones at, 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 at an appropriate time. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You called it out. You called it. We live, we live a foot in front of our face nowadays. Uh, it's it's sad, and uh, we we've lost a way to communicate with one another too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So overall, uh, outside of behavioral analysis, how about overall training for the church protector? How vital do you think that is? Well, I think it's very vital because, uh, like I said earlier, I think it's the first step to be able to have your first layer of um, of safety and security. I mean, it's just like, you know, if you're at the White House, it's all in layers. And um, uh, so I, I think it's, it's very important. I think it's important because it's ever-changing. The season that you're in, if it's cold, the dress will, will be a factor. If it's holidays and Christmas time, you know, you have more domestics during that time where you have fractured families and people are not being able to see certain their kids or something. So I think it's important, number one, because it's an ever-changing uh, dynamic that we deal with in law enforcement. Just you see it. There's certain times of the year where you have more calls and there's more domestic and there's more um, certain types of uh, calls for service. And it's the same at churches because, you know, we're constantly in change and our environment is changing and our culture is changing. Uh, you know, who would have thought we would have been living through what we're living through now? Because, you know, also, Something else is uh, that I'm doing a lot of, of tweaking with in this, this whole training is the um, uh, neglect and abuse because mm -hmm. the, uh, the calls to the national hotline have gone out the roof and the National Suicide Center have gone up. But by the same token, the um, files for CVS have gone down. So the reason that those calls have gone down is because Kids and children who are being abused and neglected, they're going to report that to their teachers, to their counselors, to their church Sunday school teachers, and to their trusted people at their church. Well, our, our kids have not been in church or school for the last five months or so, so they don't have anybody to report it to. And, um, you know, statistics show that if uh, abuse and neglect is not reported, it's going to increase in frequency and increase in uh, violence. So, you know, we have, we have now, we have kids who are, who are going through that. They got nobody to tell it to. Uh, plus we have, uh, you know, other factors that come in. Um, we've got moms or dads who have lost their jobs. So now they were mad before. Now they don't have any money and they lost their jobs. So they're taking that on the kids. And um, so, you know, it's, uh, it's something that we have to be as church people, uh, aware of, especially if you're teaching Sunday school classes, you need to be very involved and very intentional as you interact with your kids that you're teaching and how they're doing to be observant of their physical statue, of their appearance, uh, because you just, we just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And I fear when we go back to school that we're going to have a, a pretty heavy outbreak uh, of reports and all because some of these kids are are, are living in a home with, with this abuse and, and they're, and they're self-medicating with alcohol, drugs, and so forth. So a lot of factors there from the psychological standpoint that we're going to be dealing with. And church, church people, um, church leadership, church servants are going to be seeing this just as well and just as clear as we're seeing it in the school environment. Yeah, you know, I think last time you and I talked, we talked about this, you know, Corona, that, sure, that's a big wave to come across the country, but I think the next waves are going to be 
the broken homes, the, the homes that are broken because of, you know, pornography, because, you know, there's a websites out there. Well, you, you're staying home. I'm going to give this to you for free for a month. Uh, the child abuse, like you called out and, and all that. Those are the next waves. The church is going to have to stand up and, 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 and take care of and They've got to be prepared for that. And the protectors have to be prepared for that as well with the good plans, policies, and procedures of what we're going to do when this comes to us, when A, B, or C comes to us as an, as an issue that we haven't dealt with before, we're going to have to have these plans in place, uh, you know, prior preparation, you know what that achieves, right? So we have to uh, uh, prepare in advance. And I, I tell it, I tell it to, the, to the audience all the time, we've got to start preparing now because church will open up again. We will start seeing each other face to face again. And what you've done in this downtime, the time that God gave you, I like to think, uh, to prepare is, is what's going to get you through those waves. Absolutely. You're, you're just spot on correct. This needs to be a piece of your emergency operation plan because it could be an, emer it could be an emergency operation that goes into effect. What, what if you do have a, a Sunday school teacher and a child comes up and says, reports neglect and abuse? I mean, there's got to be a plan. They've got to be trained. They need to know what to do, who to contact immediately. Does that, does that child need to be in our custody and not released to the, to the parent until we get somebody there? Uh, what is your plan? A, B, and C. We're going to do this. We're going to, and this is our backup plan because uh, maybe the children's ministry is on vacation this week. So who is his redundant? Who is his number two? Right. And you got to have that person there because you can't let a kid released to to an abusive parent who could hurt that kid or kill that kid if they had any suspicion that they were being reported for neglect now because you ruin that trust that they had to make that outcry to you uh if, if they came to you because they thought you were the one that could solve it for them or at least take them away from it and then you break that trust handing them back over uh yeah it's got to be handled the, the right way and you know i talked to a couple church insurance companies and, and the mishandling of children is one of the highest claims they have. I don't care what church insurance company you are, the mishandling of children is the highest claim that they have. And so churches have got to really stand up and have solid plans in place for things just like this. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, and before we had insurance company, we had orders from headquarters. Jesus told us these little children are like me. And yep. he, there was some specific guidelines and directions about handling them and protecting them. So uh, you're absolutely right. I think it, it, it needs to be um, a part of the training for every church staff um, and, and they need to have a plan because you know, not only is the, um, is the money and the, the civil exposure a big piece for all churches and we live in a world now where uh, the new lottery ticket is a lawsuit, but the, the, the heart, soul, and the physical well-being and the emotional well-being of a child that's in our custody uh, it trumps all that. Just do whatever you got to do to keep that kid safe. Amen. Amen to that. So, Bobby, being on the front lines like you are uh, and everything that you do, do you see any, uh, not maybe not even church-specific, but probably church-specific, any new trends or, you know, what we like to call the TTPs, the tactics, techniques, and, and uh, principles of the enemy, things that they're changing, uh, that they're doing out there new that, that we might want to just watch for. You know, I called out the rioting already, but uh, if you want to expand on that or anything else you see from the front lines that the churches and people just need to be aware of and prepared for. Well, I, I think one thing that um, it, it was ironic. I was in an FBI Zoom meeting today, and they were talking about some of these um, some of these uh, 
anti-government groups out there. And what they said is that there's a lot of operating uh, in the dark web and on the internet and in code and people that you would never suspect are people who were involved in some of this. So I think that, you know, it goes back to, to biblical teaching where, you know, uh, you have to beware of a, of, a, of a wolf in sheep's clothing. And um, you, you need to be uh, very intentional about, um, about your people. And um, I think that I, I've, I've come away with a, with a heightened uh, awareness that Satan is training his people to be in concealment and try to get him into the houses of worship by looking like someone else. And then this is, you know, back to what we've already talked about. This is an ever-changing dynamic in church safety and being a protector. Uh, you've got to stay consistent and you've got to stay on top of, uh, of some of these um, uh, instances that happen. A lot of training, a lot of study, uh, and don't take anything for granted. Yep, yep, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. So, Bobby, tell us, um, tell our audience a little bit about Christian Defense uh, Safety Solutions and then how they can get in touch with you. Well, um, we kind of had been, after people coming and visiting our school, we had like 18 schools last year before we had corona that hit, and we had them from Colorado, Tennessee, Louisiana, Mississippi. Um, and so we had some churches come because we're a, a, a Christian school and there was church groups came and pastors came and said, could you help us? So what we did was, is we set up a, a nonprofit um, 503C and um, we started uh, applying these uh, tools and this training that we've learned from working in education. Uh, with churches and because a church and a school is basically the same uh, you know you have small kids there and you have little kids and then you have classrooms and you have um, senior adults uh, that, that gather in a worship service and uh, it's it, we have chapel at our school common denominator for that is um, you know you're all sitting in one direction facing away from the place where the attack normally happens so you know, we started uh, implementing some of this and then we just carried some of this training through and, and um, we've run across some great folks and you and I hooked up and uh, it was immediate that we were sharing the same passion and that we were, we were training and we were serving the kingdom and, it, and so uh, that's what we do. Uh, you, my email address is um, uh, cdssbobby at yahoo.com. Uh, we have a... Um, a website and it's on facebook too you can go there and find us at facebook uh, find me at facebook uh, I'm, I'm not hard to find and um, i'll be glad to help however and and whenever from church assessment to unarmed training all the way to uh to arm training if if that's the route that somebody wants to go well we'll be glad and we train with other trainers too so I, i'm i'm big on on, on sharing information, sharing knowledge. Uh, uh, the only problem I've had is uh, there's this guy, Guy Beverage. I can't get him to Tyler any of my training, but I, I definitely want to get him uh, out there on the range and, and in the classroom for a few hours. You know, I think people think when you say you just want to get me up to Tyler, I don't think they have an understanding of just how big Texas is. <laughs> but yes, we are. We're definitely coming because uh, you know I want to. I want to get the, uh, the the nickel tour again, definitely of the museum. Let my kids run uh, like savages around there again, and then obviously just come hang out with you, brother. 
So yeah. I will. Go ahead. Oh, that's great. We'd love to have you. Um, we got a couple of new artifacts. So last week we got an RPG from Afghanistan and a Stinger missile. So uh, we, we've got some new things to look at, and uh, we'll be glad to have you. Awesome. Awesome. We're, we're definitely going to plan it. So thank you, uh, Bobby, again for being here tonight. For all you warriors for being here tonight, it's such a, an honor to have you. You know, you really drive Protectors Toolkit to do what we do. And I, I encourage you to keep sending your questions in, keep sending your comments in. Uh, we'll answer them as we go. All of Bobby's information we'll put down below in the comment section so you can find Bobby there. And do go up and visit him and, and see that museum and, and get in contact with him. I'm, he's going he's gonna to be a, just a fantastic resource for you in everything church safety and security. If you're new here, don't forget to hit that like button there on Facebook so you get all the notifications and updates when we put them out. Uh, head over to the membership site. If you are a church protector and you're wondering, what do I train on this month? I've got it there for you on the membership site. Look, there's no obligation. Get in, get out. If you don't like it, it's not a blessing to you, then we don't want you in there either if it's not a blessing to you. If it does bless it, you stay there, hang out. There's a lot of different people in there learning a lot of different uh, uh, informations. Uh, sharing is caring. Share this video far and wide and find us on YouTube. You can find all of the videos just like this over on the YouTube page. Make sure you subscribe to Protectors Toolkit on YouTube. So again, you get all those notifications when new videos come out. And we have online training available if you need anything put together, any specialized training or just basic church safety and security. We do it online or we can come to your church and do that as well. And like I say, protectors, keep them safe.